Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Vetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Well, after a two-part series, great conversation with Bob Krause, and uh, we look forward to seeing him hopefully here on the Champions Tour uh, within the next year. We are now on to episode eight of the Rising Champions podcast. I'm Kyle Bogey alongside Dr. Jason Novetsky. And uh, Doc, it's been, what, now seven episodes in, and I think we've learned a lot. We- we've developed a lot. We've-, we've built a rapport here, and we're talking to a lot of great athletes of all sizes, sports, and now ages as well with Bob. Yeah, we're, we're covering the gamut and, and we're doing what we set out to do is, is giving voice to those rising champions that are out there, whether they're young or older, like Bob, he's still a rising champion in my book because he's, he's on his way up, uh, just like the person we're going to talk to today. So uh, today we're going to have Noah Roslin. Uh, he's uh, from Bloomfield Hills and Bloomfield Hills High School. He's a great tennis player, one of the top ranked players in our area uh, in the state. And he's got big things ahead of him. So we're going to talk and learn more about uh, what he's been working on physically and mentally and what he's also doing to support this great community of ours in uh, southeastern Michigan. Yeah. So before we dive into that, um, please, we encourage you, if you haven't listened to all the episodes, downloaded all the episodes, please. Uh, the rising champions on any of the platforms you may listen to podcasts on, you can get caught up uh, on everything. There's seven episodes. Now this is number eight. So please, uh, like subscribe, download rate, share all of it. Uh, we really appreciate the support and everything that we've done here, uh, over the first several episodes. Now, doc, you mentioned Noah and uh, to me, and we already had the conversation full disclosure, mm-hmm. if you know, uh, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know exactly how this entire thing works. And a couple of things really stood out to me, you know, as a younger athlete, someone who clearly is talented when it comes to tennis and should be able to get to the collegiate level and, and get a scholarship out of this is he's not egotistical. He's not overly confident. And, you know, he made mention of going through, you know, certain adjustments within his game, having to, basically get worse at times, you know, and mm-hmm. work on certain things and have to deal with the humbling results, you know, for maybe a few weeks at a time, knowing that down the road, it was going to benefit him, you know, in the long run. And a lot of athletes, you don't want to put in the time. You don't want to be worse. You don't want to do something that you've never done your entire life. So for him, a young kid to be able to do that, I think it really speaks to, to his commitment to it. Yeah, I agree with you, Kyle. His maturity level just really oozed out of him in terms of accepting the process. And I'll, I'll be honest, and he'll be honest, uh, you'll hear it in the conversation, it was difficult. Um, there were times where, you know, he would say things, I just can't hit the forehand, you know? And, and so we had to really just, you know, reel that in a little bit and, and get back to what we talked about is deliberate practice and identifying those weak spots and be willing to look bad while you're, you're developing as a person and a player. And he, he did that in spades. It is remarkable. And I, I always go back to golf probably because, you know, we obviously love to play it and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just, it's our thing now that we're, uh, we're not exactly great athletes anymore, but Ricky Fowler is going through, uh, you know, a swing change and has been for like the last year. And, you know, there's been times where he's not striking it, you know, quite as well as he used to. And, You know, there might be shots that uh, might be great for us, but, you know, for him, he's probably wondering, you know, what the heck is going on. 
that's not easy to do, especially when you're on that stage. And Noah talked about, you know, being in this, the, the quarantine, the stay home order. And he actually benefit from the opportunity to not have to have matches, not have to be in competition. So he could really dive in and develop and get better and deal with the mistakes that he was making almost behind closed doors, which I, I think can make it easier, especially when you're a young kid growing up. Yeah. I mean, he really took advantage of the opportunity to have this extra time. And so, you know, he could have easily said, this is terrible. My seasons or my tournaments are getting canceled left and right. What's the point? But he took a great attitude and said, Hey, I'm just going to get better. So when we come out of this, I'm ready to go and I'm going to be a better player than I was before all this started. And that took a lot of heart, took a lot of courage uh, for him to do that. Off the tennis court. He did a lot as well. We can get into that in just a second, but you know, as far as athletes and, and the way that, Everything's evolving, you know, no matter what sport it may be. I wonder if you deal with this with some of the athletes that, that you're working with. The, I, I want to do it their way. I, I want to be, you know, more powerful. I want to be stronger. I want to change my game completely. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I would always wonder, I guess, you want to make sure that you don't lose the fundamentals and the, the principles that you have, you know, known your entire life. You don't want to try to play a different style other than what you're maybe used to. Do you deal with that at all with some athletes trying to be something maybe that they're not? We do. And I call it chasing shiny objects. Um, (laughs) You know, the athletes, you know, and everybody in life in general just wants to always be the best or copy what's going on. And, uh, like we talked about with Noah and we, we see in the golf world today with like Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, you know, there's always a different way to do things, but that might not always work for you. And so I think you have to be somewhat true to yourself and play your game. And I think Bryson's doing a great job of that. That's who he is. He embraced his inner nerdiest, if you will, to, you know, be that mad scientist out there on the golf course and go against the grain and do different things. And he's not trying to be anybody else. He's trying to be himself. And I think that's what every athlete or person uh, needs to do. And, And Noah talked about that a lot, you know, accepting who he was and is and who he can become within the constraints of his body and his opportunities. And I think when you do that, you're going to be true to yourself. You're going to be a happier person, a happier athlete. And I think, you know, the results will come uh, because of that. It's a lot of conversation these days. Really, it's gone on for a long period of time about whether or not you should be a two or three sport athlete and whether or not you should focus on one specific sport, maybe earlier than normal. And, you know, I always point to a a lot of the great athletes out there that have unbelievable amounts of success. They excelled at other sports, you know, even in high school, you know, leading up to their collegiate career and then potentially their professional career. And I think the benefits outweigh any negatives that there could be. Noah's another one of those athletes that played hockey for a very long period of time. You'll see all of his trophies. uh, If you watch the video (laughs) in the background uh, of of his room as well, I think it's huge for young athletes to play as much as they possibly can. It helps with work ethic, being an athlete, developing, you know, balance obviously in life and sports and in school with everything. I'd be curious to know, I guess, are are parents more open to that these days as athletes? as to what they've been before? Do they want them to focus more on one sport earlier? What have you seen? I've seen it both sides, uh, honestly. I mean, I have seen kids that are able mentally to be that one sport person uh, pretty early on and have a lot of success. Uh, Time will tell if that's going to be okay for them down the road as they develop into college or professional athletes. But I I agree with you 100% that I think it's important to play 
as many different sports or get involved in other activities. It doesn't even have to be sports. It could be music. It could be art. Um, just become more well-rounded as an individual. And the biggest benefit of that, I think, is the lack of burnout uh, in athletes. I think when kids are subjected too soon, too quickly to highly organized sports, 12 months out of the year, um, by the time they get to college, it's a job and it's no longer fun. And, and I get it. It's not always going to be fun, but it, there still should be some semblance of fun uh, in what you're doing, especially when you're out there playing your sport. So it's a mixed bag. Kind of, honestly, I don't think we know the answer hundred percent, but I, I would side on the, uh, that you said about playing multiple sports and multiple activities to, to stay relevant. Everyone's been trying to keep busy, uh, trying to, you know, somehow uh, stave off the boredom throughout, uh, you know, the, the stay home, uh, you know, and, and pandemic that we have going on, you know, in our country and really in the world. Uh, and Noah actually came up with an incredible thing essentially called Big Buddies of Bloomfield, where, you know, he took everything that he's done and, you know, been able to learn as an athlete, as a student and tried to embrace, you know, the younger kids that are out there in their community can you touch on a little bit more about what Noah's done? I mean, it really is tremendous stuff as kids are just trying to find things to do and find people to look up to. Yeah. I mean, what a great idea he came up with to embrace the situation and give back because, you know, he's, he's able to do that. And he came up with a great concept and I believe with some good friends of his and people at his school at Bloomfield Hills high school and created a, a nice mentoring program virtually and now in person uh, just to raise up, um, the kids and other athletes uh, around his community, academically, socially, athletically. Uh, what an amazing kid he is to be able to do that. And I know he's got other things like that um, on his dossier as well. I mean, he, he's got other ideas that he wants to contribute in the community. So, you know, Noah's that kind of kid that's been raised well, clearly, uh, to, to give back to his community while also being a tremendous student and a tremendous athlete. Well, it's, it's funny too. You know, I, I remember growing up and your parents would tell you, you know, you know, you got to do this, you got to work on that. You know, you need to make sure that you're on top of, uh, you know, social studies or whatever it might be. It, it hits different when you're hearing it from somebody who's actually going through it. That might be a little bit older than you, you know, in high school or in middle school, potentially when you're an elementary school kid, seeing somebody that is excelling and, and doing it that way, it, it often ends up being a lot easier to get those kids interested in those activities and being, you know, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, more focused as opposed to when the parents are, you know, hammering down, you know, making mm -hmm. sure that you're on top of it. It just, it gets lost on kids. So it, it's unbelievable to have these role models that are already, you know, only at the high school level already helping these elementary school age kids. Yeah. I think what's great about it is they'll see him as a great athlete, but they're going to see him as a better person. And, and that's the long lasting memory that his mentees are going to have is sure. They're going to know he plays high level tennis and state champions and things like that. But the, the long lasting memory are going to be those really intimate conversations they're having about how they're doing with school or dealing with uh, issues in their family or whatever it is. And, and Noah's going to have that long impact on these kids for a long time. You know, we've talked to athletes of all different sports so far here on the rising champions podcast, Noah, you know, no different. And we'll be chatting with him here in just a couple of minutes. Stay tuned for uh, the full interview, but Noah's another one of those kids that went from being a team sport, you know, athlete mm -hmm. to now being an individual sport athlete. And, you know, with you working with so many different, um, you know, types of kids and types of athletes, I got to believe that's an, a little bit of a different, mindset, if you will, when you have a team to lean on, you have other people that can take and share some of the blame. 
And then it's all on you. You know, you're a tennis player, golf, whatever it may be. Yeah. I mean, Inoue has kind of the best of both worlds, playing hockey, playing baseball, but also in tennis, uh, like in golf in the high school ranks, you are on a team, but you are out there by yourself when you're playing, except of course, in tennis, you do have doubles. So you have like a teammate uh, on the court, on the court with you, but yeah, it's a different mentality. Uh, but I think because he played all those different sports and had lots of different experiences, he's able to transition to that quite successfully. Have you seen uh, a different athlete come to you and have, I don't want to say an easy transition because none of this is ever easy when you're talking about the mental you know, approach and you're, you're changing things maybe physically within your game, but it does seem like Noah had an understanding of what he needed to do and how to go about it. And you really were just able to come in and kind of guide him in doing so. Are most kids, you know, his age that willing to change and that willing to adjust, or was this a little bit, you know, out of the norm? Uh, he was a little bit out of the norm. Um, he was very uh, accepting, as he said, uh, to the situation that he was in. But, you know, we had rough patches where it was frustrating from time to time, but he was strong enough to get through it. Uh, I would say a lot of the upper level elite athletes that I deal with are motivated to get better because they realize that at the level they're at, everybody's going to be physically good. And so the mental game is the only thing that's going to be able to separate you uh, from those other players that are just as good as you. And that's the same thing that happened to me in college as well. I uh, had to learn the mental game to, to stay there, uh, so to speak. So, yeah, he was able to make that transition pretty well and be accepting of the process that he's going to have to go through to continue to grow. Well, going to be a great conversation. Uh, the full interview with Noah Roslin is coming up right now here on the Rising Champions podcast. He gets into – uh, his growth in the game of tennis is accolades academically balancing, you know, the, the school, social life slash sports, everything that he has going on. And of course, uh, he really goes into detail on how he started this program to help elementary school kids that maybe were bored, maybe needed some social interaction, maybe needed some role models uh, in the Bloomfield area. So without further ado, uh, Doc, let's go ahead and get to the interview. Okay, so obviously the sporting world has kind of gone into a little bit of a timeout here, and I bet athletes all over the world at every different level are scrambling to stay in shape, to stay practicing, to stay ready to go. So, uh, Noah, I guess you're no different than anyone else, uh, you know, on the tennis court. What, what have you done? Did you take a lot of time away from the game, I suppose? How have you kind of stayed ready here over the last couple of months? It's funny. I actually didn't take much time off at all. The only days I took off were when it was raining because you can't play indoors. <laughs> but <laughs> we were playing a lot. I was playing every day. And it was funny. There were some days where we would be on the lookout for cops to come and kick us off the courts. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't take much time off. But it was it was a good time to improve. So. Well, Noah, we, we really appreciate you being on the podcast this week. And uh, we've got to know each other for a couple of years now, I think, right? Yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, one of the big reasons we have this podcast is to give a voice to the younger athlete and to what they're doing mentally uh, to maximize their physical skills. So tell us a little bit about how you and I got started, some of the reasons why, uh, what were the issues uh, or things you wanted to build uh, to become a stronger uh, tennis player mentally and physically? Well, when we started, it was probably around March, April of 
of 2019 and I had lost a ton of matches. I was really struggling mentally trying to change my game. As I got older, the kids got bigger, started hitting harder. And I was really struggling with that, especially on one certain shot, my forehand. And so I started going to Dr. Jason and one of the problems was that I was thinking too much about it. I was unconfident and I was thinking about how everything would affect everything else. How, if I, if I lost this point, how it would affect my rankings or my ratings. And one of the main things that he taught me that I still use every day was how to think in the present moment, think about what I'm doing, how to do it instead of how it's going to affect something else. I'd be curious. I'm not as familiar with tennis as, you know, say some of the other, you know, sports that are out there, but we've seen other sports have these transformations with athletes. Like we just saw, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, Bryson DeChambeau win the, the rocket classic at the Detroit golf club. And he's beefed up and become this powerful guy who's overpowering golf courses. Now, are, are we seeing a similar trend in tennis? You, you mentioned, you know, some of the guys have gotten bigger, faster, stronger. I think so. I think part of that has to do with the technology of the rackets and balls getting better and courts are getting faster. But I think that kids are starting to become bigger, faster, stronger and hitting harder. And I think that's a trend that kind of matches up with the pro game as the pros start playing that type of game. The kids start being taught how to play that type of game and start training differently for it. So when you met with, with Dr. Jason, did you have to almost get back to the fundamentals of, Hey, you can hit it really hard. You might be going up against somebody who, you know, is, is a little bit stronger, but it's still a finesse game. You know, like I, I always remember playing uh, racquetball, you know, you go to the old YMCA and you get in that little, uh, you know, wooded box basically. And I'm going, I'm playing this guy who's 20 years older than me. I mean, I'm going to out athlete him. And sure enough, he would always hit the perfect ball right there in the corner, nice and easy, and he'd kick my butt. I, I got to believe there's something similar to that with tennis, right? Yeah, well, the the problem that I started running into was it wasn't like the game was evolving too much. It was that I was 14 turning 15. So the age groups I used to play 14 and under, which was so finesse because kids – are just not grown. They can't hit that hard. But as you get into 16 year olds, they're all high schoolers and they just want to hit, hit the crap out of the ball. So <laughs> I, had, I had to adjust to that. And a lot of that was going back to Dr. Jason and along with thinking about playing in the present moment was thinking about playing to my strengths, not trying to hit as hard as these grown high school athletes and doing what I know that I can do that gave me success at the younger ages. <laughs> well, I think what you're trying to say also, Noah, is that, you know, you struggled a little bit at first with comparing yourself to those older kids as well. And you came up with something that I thought was phenomenal for someone your age. You talked about the concept of acceptance. Can you tell us what you meant by that at that time? Well, I just meant that I was trying to play a game that wasn't comfortable to me. That wasn't unique to me. I was just trying to play like the people around me. Cause I thought they looked cool. They were winning. Why can't I just play like that? And the answer to that is cause I'm not them and everyone's game is unique. So it was really hard for me, but I had to accept that my game is different and it might not look as nice as some other people's, but 
it's how I have success and I've got to play to my strengths. So I had to accept that instead of trying to change and play to my weaknesses just to look like others. You know, and Kyle, I think that's an incredible statement from a young man, because like you said, we're seeing these people on TV, bigger, stronger, faster, and, and kids gotta, you know, make sure they don't try to jump the gun too fast there and try to become something they're not. And just like Noah said, accept who they are and be patient with the process of getting better physically and mentally. So judging by the, uh, I'm assuming those are all trophies behind you, uh, you know, right <laughs> there, it, it appears you've had some success, not even just in tennis, but in a lot of different sports. Um, can you talk about your, I guess your experience playing multitude of sports growing up and, and how maybe that allowed you to hone in on one specific that you've really excelled at and really loved? Well, I, my first sport was hockey, which I played since I was four up until the end of middle school. And that was my main sport for a long time, as well as baseball. My dad was a college baseball player, so I played then, and I started playing tennis. And suddenly I was going from sport to sport to sport every day, and I think it really helped me become a better athlete instead of just being focused on becoming a good tennis player, but becoming a good athlete so that I could sustain longer matches or longer games in hockey. And then when I chose to focus on tennis it it was just that that was the sport I thought I had the most promise in um so I think that playing a lot of sports was a really good experience for me because not only could I experiment and try new things see what I was the best at but I also got to become a better athlete in the process that's amazing yeah I mean I think more and more we're hearing the stories come from the pro ranks and the college ranks, the importance of playing multiple sports as long as you can to develop, you know, the body and the mind as well. And so kids don't get burned out, Kyle, because we see that too often, uh, even in a sport like Noah's with tennis uh, and hockey and a lot of sports where coaches want them 12 months out of the year. And so I think you and your family did a tremendous job of making sure that uh, you kept your head in different things. Uh, and I think that made you a well-rounded person, which leads us into an amazing part of your life too is the community service that you started to do. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the programs you and some friends have started uh, from your high school, Bloomfield Hills High School in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Well, over quarantine, I would see a lot of kids in my neighborhood playing out in the backyard and not, they looked so bored and me and my friends really wanted to do something to help the community. So we decided to start it, a mix between a tutoring and a buddy mentoring service for high school kids to help out elementary age kids. So we made a website and we made social media accounts and we started getting these kids to join. And what we would do is we would have like a zoom meeting between a high schooler and an elementary school student and they would work on something that was academic, but also fun because another thing that's overlooked is that these kids, they would have a Zoom meeting with their teacher once a day, but the reality is an elementary school student wants to talk to an older kid because that's who they look up to. And so we were able to work with them and create bonds that I feel like will last a while. How, how receptive were a lot of these younger kids early on? I mean, you know, as you grow older, you grow a little bit more, you know, confident and all that in the years, but I got to believe intimidating when 
you know, you might be an elementary, you know, age kid. And all of a sudden you're talking to, you know, a great athlete as a sophomore in high school, that can be a little bit tough. So I guess, how did you go about breaking the ice and getting more and more kids involved? Well, one of the things we did is look up icebreakers. <laughs> um, no, we would talk, we would try to get a feel for what they liked, what they didn't like. And they kind of ran the show in these meetings. So we didn't want to be too pushy, but we would kind of gauge what their interests are, what they wanted to do and put a sort of academic spin on that. And I feel like that was the way that we tried not to be too intimidating because we, um, I'm sorry, one second. I apologize. I put my ringer off, but <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Um, no, you're good. The way we can try not to be intimidating is try not to talk past them, break the ice, track a lot of jokes and just do what they want to do with a spin that we put on it to still make it productive. So let's get back to tennis a little bit. I think you, you know, the community service is amazing, but Noah, so you're playing at Bloomfield Hills high school. Uh, you play tennis all over the country. Um, tell us a little bit about the last year or two, uh, your development uh, and where you see yourself going with this game. Well, two years ago, I think I was a completely different player than I am today. Part of that is because of my age, the game from 14 years old to 16 years old differs in such a big way. But I, I feel like it's been a huge part of my life. I'm training two to four hours a day, um, six to seven days out of the week. And I, I hope to play D1 college tennis. So you think you want to play Division One tennis. Uh, yeah. Maybe a great question for you is, is why is that important to you? Why is it important to me? Because I've always been obsessed with having a really balanced life, and I love sports. And I really want to play D1 college tennis because I want to be able to compete with the best of the best and go to a good school, get a good education in the process. So, And it's yeah. obviously going to take a lot of hard work. You mentioned you're training two to four hours a day, six to seven days a week. And I think that's important for our young rising champions to hear that, that again, you, you see the people on TV, but you don't really see what's going on behind the scenes. So Kyle Noah's been a kind of kid that works that hard uh, in the classroom, obviously in the community. Um, he comes to my office and we train mentally as well. So he can learn to be in the moment, as he said, uh, it takes a lot of hard work for, to become a division one athlete. And he's on that pathway. Yeah. I, I'd be curious to know, Noah, um, one of the things that, you know, high school kids, and then of course, once you go to the college level is the, the balance of everything, you know, you say you're training two to four days or two to four hours a day six to seven days a week, which sounds truly awful to a guy like me. I just want to go play my <laughs> golf. I don't ever want to practice that. You know, I just want to go out there and have some fun and do it. But you also have to have the other side of it where you have to have a life. You have to have friends. You have to have, uh, you know, the, the schoolwork, the academic side. Did you ever find at, at any point, I guess, a situation where you struggled to have that balance or was that something that always just kind of came easy to you? I think that it's come easy to me because I used to play two sports, which kind of really helped that balance. And I've always focused on academics and trying to have a social life. But one of the things that's great about tennis, in my opinion, is that I 
build these friendships with the kids that I practice with so I can have a social life well I'm on court and of course when I'm training I'm not talking to them but I can always ask them if they want to hang out after practice and so there's been times when it's been hard to balance like if a bunch of my friends are hanging out and I'm at a tournament in Chicago but that's a sacrifice that I'm willing to make so yeah and we talked about that a lot and that comes up a lot with the elite athletes that we work with is you know you can do anything you want you just can't do everything you want and and Noah and I talk about that all the time Um, another question I want to you know or comment I want from you Noah as well is sometimes there's an overwhelming demand to win uh, these tournaments versus develop as a player at certain ages, you know, and, and how's that been feeling for you? And how did you deal with that, that pressure to win, not just from, you know, family or friends, but you know, yourself as well and comparing that to developing as a, as a good tennis player. Well, that's been one of my main struggles to be quite honest with you. I put so much pressure on winning so much pressure on myself. And I think the way to get past that is sometimes looking yourself in the mirror and thinking, uh, what do I have to work on? And to be honest, if you work on the things that you need to work on, winning will come easier down the road. And I think one of the things that's helped me greatly was during the quarantine, I didn't have any tournaments to play. I didn't have any pressure. It was just practicing, practicing, practicing. And so I could develop and I could play badly for two straight weeks while I'm working on something and it wouldn't matter in the long run. So I think that development is way more important than winning at a young age so that you can win at an older age. That's right. And I think, you know, Kyle, what he's talking about too is the idea of what we call deliberate practice. So Noah and I talked a lot about identifying weak areas of your game, physically or mentally, and be willing to look bad while you're developing. And a lot of people won't do that because they don't want to look bad and it doesn't feel great, and it's not a lot of fun sometimes, but that's what elite athletes have to do. Um, They have to put themselves in positions where they're gonna be uncomfortable. And I think that, sorry to interrupt, I think that goes back to accepting, instead of trying to compare, accepting that you're not gonna play well for a couple days because you're working on something. Mm -hmm. So. I guess lastly here, um, you said your game, it might not be uh, as pretty, but you know what, if you're getting the points and you're getting the wins, it really doesn't matter. Is there a, a tennis player, I guess, that you emulate, you, you think that maybe you play similarly to in style? One of the players <laughs> that I really admire is Alex Demonor. He's an Australian player, and he's if you watch him play, he's just an absolute workhorse. He doesn't have pretty strokes. He doesn't hit people off the court, but he will never give up on a point, and I really admire that. I think that's great. So Noah, tell us um, what's coming up next for you and also let us know how uh, people can get involved with uh, the program, Big Buddies, um, and how they can get in touch with you if they have any questions. Well, I'm playing a tournament in Butler, Indiana this weekend. And then after that, I will be playing National Hard Courts in Mobile, Alabama. And to answer your question about Big Buddies, we have a website. Um, at bigbuddiesofbloomfield.squarespace.com as well as Instagram, Facebook accounts. Okay. So if you'd like to reach us through that or shoot us an email. 
at bigbodiesofbloomfield at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah, we'll, we'll all be monitoring and, uh, you know, obviously uh, the best of luck uh, in the tournaments coming up here. Uh, we'll certainly keep tabs on it. We appreciate you joining us here on the, uh, the Rising Champions podcast. We'll, uh, we'll talk with you soon, Noah. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode. 